welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today we're going to be looking at some of the hidden gems that I have found in my scouting in this draft class. Now, for some, I'm thinking G League. For others, potentially, you could wiggle your way into better positioning, but I just want to highlight some of the guys that have kind of gone under the radar, give a brief report on them, and if any fit with the Oklahoma City Thunder, whether it be with a two-way contract or an Exhibit 10. And of course, guys, I have a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, so you do not want to miss out on that. First things first, as I am publishing this, this is Draft Night Eve. So you're thinking, why on earth are you talking about undrafted players on Draft Night? Well, guys, I'm going to be posting a ton into the morning, likely, on some of these pods. I need to play some catch-up because I have been working on a major project over on SI Thunder the last week or so. A 12,000-word OKC Thunder draft guide. I've been working constantly on it. It's why you have not seen me publish since last Friday on here, but trust me, Lots of different story ideas have been churning out, and I've got them down, so I want to cover them. I don't want to miss this opportunity, so hopefully you guys enjoy all these different pods. I know for some, it might be a lot of content for one sitting, totally understandable, but pick your poison. I'll be talking about basically every single draft pick in the next couple of pods, maybe a mock draft here and there, and the overall guide on what the team needs to fill. So hopefully you guys are excited for that and let me know if you have any favorites from what might be this little mini series we have going on here. But the first is I want to talk about the guys at the bottom of the board because just looking at the Oklahoma City Thunder, one thing is obvious. They don't have a lot of roster spots to begin with. Most of their players in general are very young. They're on rookie scale contracts and you only have three guys on completely non-guaranteed deals. Teo's the only one that I think would even be considered. The other two are Kendrick Williams and Aaron Wiggins. So you already have a good amount of guys on roster. Jermichael Green tacked that up to 16. And what that means is Jermichael Green, I don't think you want to trade him because he's on an expiring deal, a little bit over $8 million. And if you are going to remove him from the roster, it's going to hurt a bit because with SGA uh, on his new max extension and some of the other guys potentially getting paydays here, Lou Dort in particular, they're going to be going over the cap. They're not $30 million under the floor like they were this past season. So it's not easy taking on cap anymore. You have to have some of these chips like Derek Favors and like Jermichael Green sort of as instruments for deals. So He's important. Right now, they're at 16 players, three draft picks, number two, number 12, number 34. They traded away number 30 in that Jamaica Green deal last week, so that's off the table. But you never know how the undrafted pool tends to go. And for Oklahoma City, they have a really good record when it comes to scooping players up immediately after the draft. Last season, you saw... At pick 55, the Thunder select Aaron Wiggins. Two-way contract on him. Next thing you know, one of the bright young rookies 
on the Thunder's roster two seasons ago. Not much action in the actual draft. However, they were quick on the punch when it came to acquiring some Exhibit 10 players. The biggest one ended up being Omer Yurt 7. He went to training camp, dominated in the G League bubble, and he is going to make a payday with the Miami Heat in a little bit here. He just wrapped up his first contract, and they also hit it big in the G League draft too with Xavier Simpson and Rob Edwards. Three seasons ago was the big time deal though, guys. They got Lou Dort. Obviously, we know where that is gone. One of the best players on the roster and don't know if he's getting traded or not. But rest assured, he would have value because he has turned into one of the Thunder's top players. Anyways, though, I wanted to talk about some of the guys that I think could kind of slip into the cracks that aren't ranked in the top 100. In some cases, they are ranked top 100, but they're not expected to get selected in this year's draft class. That brings a lot of attention to me because, as you all know, I'm one of the few people, I would say, that, that covers the OKC Blue in bunches. Lots of times, you know, when there's events going on, you'll hear a lot, but for the most part, OKC Blue News kind of dwindled down a little bit uh, unless there's some sort of transaction going on. I'm really excited for this team. Rob Edwards is in Miami. That's where the Summer League roster looks to be grouping up. Maybe he returns again. Xavier Simpson's in Lima, Ohio, so I don't think he's going to be hanging around. And um, Olivier Saar actually just finished a workout with the Lakers. So there's going to be some turnover in particular for the Blue but with a franchise like the Oklahoma City Thunder, they always like bringing players on two-way deals, raising them into rotational pieces by the end of the season, and letting them work. Lindy Waters is the big one that you could take away from last season. Olivier Saar, of course, has to be in that conversation as well. They're going to need to find some new players, though, because good chance... You do see some roster turnover. That's exactly what the undrafted pool is for. And based on what we've heard from some of the top prospects, people enjoy being in Oklahoma City. So I'm just going to rattle off a good bunch of players here that I enjoy in the undrafted category. And I will be discussing if I think they will be worthy of fitting on the Thunder number one and if an offer should be extended by them for an Exhibit 10 or training camp contract so just getting right into the mix here guys I want to start out with Oakland forward Jamal Kane and if you guys have been following me on my Twitter account the last week or two you know that I am very big on Jamal Kane and the reason why is not because of how I think he translates right now to the NBA level but how he plays and how he would transition to the G League level. Because this is a very offensive oriented forward. He's six foot seven, about I think one ninety pounds. Might be wrong on that one there. But he's definitely not big in terms of frame. However, this guy stuffed the stat sheet. He played four seasons at Marquette and then had a post grad year went to Oakland in the Horizon League, and he just tore it up. He averaged 19.9 points and 10.2 rebounds in addition to 1.8 steals per game. And I cover Oklahoma State basketball on occasion, 
and I was up in the booth uh, whenever Oakland came into town. I think it was last November. Jamal Cain was easily the best player on the floor that night. Oakland ended up winning that game. Him and I believe it's Jabari Moore. Or it's Jalen Moore. Excuse me. Jalen Moore. Those two dominated. Moore's a really good passer. But anyways, they won that game. And it's because Cain was dominant around the basket. And he had a really good turnaround that no one on OK State could really defend. Same goes with some backdoor plays as well. But... And he's not on top 100 boards, even with this stat line. He's not even really a sleeper. He's off the grid. And that's what makes this kind of crazy to me. But anyways, 23 years old at 6'7 with these stat lines. Horizon League Player of the Year, obviously, with those numbers. But he has a lightning quick jump shot release. Was he the most consistent guy with the Golden Grizzlies? Absolutely not. He shot... I believe a little bit below the 30s from distance this year, but he was getting to the line consistently. He was able to show off a little bit in that area, and just with the form, you can tell that he would be able to be a pretty solid corner sitter if he was able to hone in on the perimeter shooting, and that's why he's not a drafted prospect, likely, because he needs to work there, and there's a couple other areas as well. But he has a good base with that jump shot, and he really ties it together with how he's able to attack the basket. Does he have the craziest dribble moves? Absolutely not. I think he's a three or four at the next level, but he does have a decent handle. He's a lot quicker than what you'd find at the four position. Now, I do think he might sway a bit towards the three at the NBA level, but it's interesting. I think that that is something you could pick at a little bit. Anyways, he has a very good mid-range game where he just picked his spots because the way Oakland played their offense, they basically force-fed Jamal Cain on twos, and they gave it to him, entry pass, was able to make a step or two, elevate for a mid-range shot, or just go for a turnaround. So he dabbled in that for a little bit. I think the main thing that we saw, though, uh, was just his shot creation whenever he did step into the mid-range area, and kind of some of the other pieces he did show with the basketball in his hands. Sneaky good range when he's feeling it. Now, I already said he's not shooting, you know, 35, 40% from distance, but at about a 30% rate, you would see those sporadic changes. But he could turn games, you know, shooting four of six from distance, and he would be able to make it a three level scoring outburst because he is very vicious. When it comes to attacking the basket, good athleticism where he's able to rise up there and he's a sneaky good lob threat. Makes me think that in the right system, in a G League organization, you could use him in a lot of high-low situations, use him in a high ball screen, test him out as a pick-and-pop player, but also on a roll. I think a really good example would be Jalen Horde and how he played alongside Xavier Simpson this year with the Oklahoma City Blue. That's obviously after Olivier Saar left, but... I think that is one growing area that you could find with him. Another thing is just the aggressiveness he brought on the defensive end. You have to mention, with Oakland, they did use a pretty vicious zone for most of the season, and that's one of those things. Whenever you get guys from these zone defense colleges, such as Oakland, such as Syracuse, there's always questions. Are you going to be able to translate to the next level when you're not playing zone all the time? You're going to be forced to be playing man, going over all these different types of screens. With Kane, he was playing at Marquette before. 
He averaged 0.9 steals in his senior season, went up to 1.8 this year. So you could make a case for that. Obviously, there were more minutes for him this this go-around. But he was a really good ball hawk where he would be in the middle of the floor. Let's talk maybe hanging at one of the elbows or something like that. And he had really good anticipation on the ball. Just sneak right in there for a pass interception, and he has the acceleration to take the other take it the other way and be able to convert whether off a foul or just an actual finish on the other side of the basketball. And in the half court, when he was going up against defenders who were kind of indecisive, he wasn't afraid to pick their pocket, dive on the loose change, and try to get it going the other way. And one of the things that I love is someone who has really good motor, and that's what Jamal Cain has. Even on rebounds, this is probably the most impressive stat if you're going to take anything away. 10.2 rebounds per game at six foot seven. He is elevating sometimes over a pair of people to get the ball and try to hoist it right back up. If you're going to be able to show that verticality and just fight for rebounds, that's the type of player that I want to bring in for a workout. And for the Thunder, I didn't expect him to bring him in on a workout. I've been talking with a couple people on Kane, and I I didn't hear anything about him in Oklahoma City literally until Tuesday. That's when I connected the dots on anything here. But he's been working out primarily with playoff teams. It makes sense because this is a player that is older in age, but he's shown... A little bit of maturity there, so you do have something to work with with him. Obviously still needs some adjusting, but this is a two-way contract type guy that could be on Exhibit 10 and do fairly well. I think that's why playoff teams are looking because maybe they don't want to look at a 19-year-old project who has potential, but when you're talking the base level skills, might not be on the same level Jamal Cain would present at least currently. So, Kane, offensively, you love how he plays. Should be a good backdoor cutter just based on his lob threat. But also, you do see potential in how he maybe could set screens or play at the perimeter. A lot of his shots came around the basket just off of like push shots. I think that might get phased out of his game as we kind of, you know, flip the page into what his actual NBA role would be. But it's still nice to see him have a couple different moves that he can go to in terms of shot creation. And on the defensive side of the basketball, is he your top player? Probably not. But like I said, you do like the hustle that he was able to bring to the table. Sometimes he wasn't blocking the shot, but he he was close to some chase down rejections this season. Trust me. So that's why I'm a big fan of him. Needs to work on the shooting consistency and when he is playing on ball, I think tunnel vision is definitely part of his game. At Oakland, he was the star. If you're averaging 20 and 10 in college, you probably are the star. Um, and, and there were just times that, you know, he got trapped maybe under the baseline. And instead of, you know, looking for options, he kind of just hoisted something or made a, a split second decision that just didn't go the right way. Anyways, I like him as a player. I think in terms of fit, Jamal Kane is not the best for the Oklahoma City Thunder just because with all these different playoff teams showing interest and the feedback sounding like he did a pretty good job in these pre-draft workouts, I would imagine that he could probably get into 
one of these playoff teams summer leagues work for a training camp spot and try to work off of that but I'm very excited for his future I think he will need to stay in the G League for a little bit but that is kind of part of the journey with him and I'm very excited to see how it pans out with him next up though I'm going to be talking about Jordan Hall from St. Joseph's but first I want to let you guys know about a very special offer Going on with my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. This time around, no NBA Finals action. We're done. But NHL is still on tap. So the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on. And at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports winning partner of the NFL, they have an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Moving on though, guys, I want to talk about Jordan Hall. And if you've been paying attention to Thunder workouts for the last two seasons, Hall should kind of ring a bell or two because last draft cycle, he put his name into the early entrance list. He pulled it out, but the OKC Thunder did conduct a pre-draft workout with him last year, and I would assume the interest would still be continuing into this year as well. Averaged 14.1 points, 5.8 assists, and 1.2 steals at St. Joseph's, and I think he checks a lot of boxes the Thunder might have, and I'll go into his play style in a little bit here. Makes you wonder. How many teams also need this type of player? And does that mean that even though he's projected to go undrafted, that he actually does? He's 20 years old, six foot eight jumbo guard, and he basically is just going to thrive out of pick and roll settings. Like when you're looking at the top pick and roll readers in this draft class, Jordan Hall may very well be in the top five and maybe even top three consideration, which is wacky, which also makes you think yet again, how would he be available after the final pick in this draft class, but you have not seen much surrounding him. So that's why you're kind of putting him in this list as for right now. Really good at kind of dishing the ball out with either hand. He's good kicking out of slashes, and he's able to use his height to just throw it right over uh, the defenders. You know, kind of just those like um, like flick passes or snap passes, if you want to call them, where, you know, he just immediately gets the ball up looks like he might dribble back down absolutely not sticks it right to his man in the corner so he's very good at finding players in that situation 
And even when it comes to kind of driving baseline or whatnot, he's able to take his time, kind of hang there right under the rim and throw a pretty nice dump off pass to his teammate right under the rim. So just the like all around view that he has the court is very impressive. And at six foot eight, who has guard skills, that's something that you want to definitely look at a little bit there. And it's great because not only is he, you know, putting in work as a passer, but he's shown pretty good marks as a shooter as well. He shot in the mid-30s from three this season when it came to how he was doing at the free throw line. Also wasn't a big issue with him. So he offensively is pretty good to go right now. The issue is whenever you start looking at the defensive side of the basketball because he did have decent numbers. We'll give it to him. He averaged 1.2 steals this year. But sometimes those can be a little bit misleading. Kind of like how people talk about the zone defense. You look at someone like Hall. Yeah, he can get in the passing lanes every once in a while. But in terms of one-on-one defense, this is where he really struggles. When he is faced up against a faster guard. And he's playing the guard positions. So you need to take that into account. But when faced up against those like super super electric guards he's crossing his legs a little bit too much and what that is going to do is he's just going to get out of order where he's going to give that guard the angle to kind of turn the corner get to the rack and be able to make those positive plays you need to be doing a better job in terms of stance and really just using your hips to block off those angles and I think that's something that would be worked on regardless of which team he ends up going to I think that offensively and in terms of the direction the Thunder have been playing Jordan Hall is a really good prospect this is someone that you probably want on your G League team it's not a probably you definitely want this guy on your G League team it just comes down to does he get a two-way contract offer and would you be able to dish that out I think if the Thunder are looking to experiment with players Hall is worth a look but it's almost one of those contracts or one of the situations where I'd want to have him on the Exhibit 10 first, see if he progresses in the G League system. And if he does, and you're confident in his defensive ability, then you give him the two-way contract and evaluate him just a little bit more. Anyways, though, I think he's very valuable to find late in a draft class just because if he does work on the, the defense, really, he should be able to make an impact for a team. And that's great value. I think once you get into the mid to late second round, it's about going for high upside, not so much trying to go for safe picks. Because in the second round, it's really late. I don't really know if you can deem anybody a safe pick at that point. So he could be someone that gets picked in the 40s or the 50s. And I really wouldn't bat an eye about it. Definitely worth a look, though, if he is an undrafted piece. Another player... That could go undrafted and has been part of OKC Thunder workouts is McCour Maker. And for him, I don't really know if I want to say he's like a gym. And, and some of these guys I don't feel as strongly about. I'll say Kane, um, Kane Hall, and actually in my next pie, there's a couple guys that are swing undrafted players. I'm high on them as well. These are just some other players that have shown interest, and I think that warrants me discussing them. And McCormaker is one of them out of the Sydney 
kings of the NBL. He averaged 7.8 points and 6 rebounds per game with Sydney. He had a very interesting pathway to end up in Sydney. So he was a five-star recruit, had multiple different Division I offers, could have gone to some Blue Bloods. Instead, he went to Howard, and he only played two games due to injury. He had to pull the plug there, and instead of returning, he decided that he was going to join the NBL Next Stars program. So he hopped on there, and with the Kings, he already had some family members with him. He had Mature Maker, and he had Maker Maker also on the team. Thon, I believe he was with the Long Island Nets for a piece of the season this year. But yeah, he was with some of his cousins there, and he was a key role player on the roster. He's 6'11", 232 pounds, so he has the size of a center. Obviously, he still looks pretty slim, very lengthy, but um, when you're looking at the base, 232, it could be worse in terms of a prospect. And I'd say one of his best strengths is the agility he brings with his size. Very good in terms of leaking out in transition. Multiple different snippets of him actually being the recipient of a downhill lob where he actually had to run like three-fourths of the court to get there so that was very impressive to me and even in terms of rebounding and closeouts he does cover ground one thing that you do need to take note of is obviously the MBL compared to the NBA and the MBL yes you're gonna find centers that have NBA bodies but for someone like Maker it's gonna be a bit easier to get in the mix you're gonna see a lot of athletic seven footers in the NBA not so much in the NBL so there's going to be a significant jump there and I think that could stifle what he's done on the glass and potentially in the blocking category as well but yet again you do like to see hustle that's one of the things I like and that gives a reason for someone to maybe look at him as a G League type of development another thing on him is what he's done in terms of ball handling all the makers have ball handling as one of the pros. When Thon Maker got selected in the lottery and people were calling him the, ne- the next Giannis, like I think Mike Corzemba probably posted something on that. It was because of the ball handling, and it was because of the potential he had from the three-point line. With Maker, he didn't shoot enough threes for you to etch anything in stone, but he shot 32% from the three-point arc, 77% from the line, and he has decent ball handling for the position. Still, it's a glob of potential with him, and he's 22 years old, so that has to be factored in. I think he's an Exhibit 10 signee if he decides to make the jump now. If not, I think he could just stick around with the Sydney Kings. They did a spectacular job this um, past season. NBL champs might want to go back-to-back anyways. And he definitely would have a place on the roster because he was one of their better centers in the uh, rotation. Want to move on to another projected undrafted guy that might sneak in as a you know 40s or 50s swoop, and I feel highly on him. It's Darion Sebron out of NC State, six foot seven guard, averaged 17.3 points, 8.2 rebounds, and 3.2 assists. 
Sebron and really just NC State in general had like a really fun roster last year. It wasn't just Sebron running the show, but they had um, Terquavion Smith as well, who I think would have like snuck in as a first rounder because he dominated at the combine, basically identical to what Bones Highland did a year ago. So I think that, you know, he'll be obviously going for a higher draft grade in his sophomore season for but for Sebron he ended up leaving after a stellar senior campaign he played two years at Juco before making the transition over uh, to the division one level but did a very good job closing things out he was basically just an off the bench guy last year but this go around developed into basically one of these stars averaged 36 minutes per game so he was basically the energizer bunny and he put up stats for uh, for a, a lot, we'll call it. Um, anyways, though, he also worked out for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And with his frame, six foot seven, 180 pounds, he's in the combo guard conversation yet again. And the traits that OKC loves, playmaking in particular, and on-ball handling, he showed at a pretty high level. Now, his biggest trait is his slashing ability. At 180, in midair, he'll look 180. The, the midair adjustments are ridiculous, but he was able to kind of get that happy medium between evading contact, but also getting to the foul line. He averaged 6.3 foul shots per game, and he shot 71% at the stripe, shot just 57% last year. So that's a significant improvement for him. Basically, when it comes to how you can use him off ball, there are great options. I love to see him playing backdoor, even with the ball in his hands. You set him a screen, get him going. If there's a, a paint or lane to the paint, he's going to take it and he's going to be able to yield some pretty solid results there. I think in passing departments as well, a little bit better than the numbers would give off. 3.2 assists to 2.4 turnovers. I... I think he's solid in that area. The big thing is the three-point shot, and ultimately that's what separates good athletes from you know, being extremely versatile at the NBA and these good athletes who you know, might hang around the roster for a little bit but not, might not get much run. He needs to hone in on that three ball. Shot 25% both seasons from distance with the Wolfpack, and prior to that point, he really wasn't making much noise either. So he's going to be hitting the draft pool at age 22. And I think that's what ultimately makes him a guy looked at as an undrafted signing right after the draft. Because he has some really good athleticism. has very good frame. But he's still raw in the area that really matters in terms of how he's able to shoot the basketball. And for the Thunder... I think that he would be amazing to put in the blue. I think any of these guys would be perfect. You know, these are players that would be high selections in the G League draft in all likelihood. But the thing is, is they get swooped up on Exhibit 10s prior to Summer League play, and that gives them the option to remain with that G League franchise. So basically, whoever he plays Summer League for is who he should stick around with, barring anything crazy were to happen with him. So... I think that Sebron might go to like a contender and try working his way up for the Thunder. I do really like them working him out 
I think that he would be a very fun G League player. It's all about the rotation for me and how it works for Sebron. I don't know if OKC would be the, the best fit just based on their biggest issue being that catch and shoot already and Sebron not being able to provide it right now. That shot changes a lot though if he's able to be successful there. Maybe you look towards trading up to uh, try to snag him or something like that. But as for right now, that's kind of where I have Sebron. want to move on to Kenny Lofton out of Louisiana Tech. And this is a player that I don't think the Thunder would be taking in the draft. I think this is more of a player I just want to watch in the G League and get a bit of a, a closer look at, just as everybody else does. Because if you've seen the statistics and you have seen some of the stat lines Kenny Lofton has posted, your draw would be dropping to the floor. He averaged 16.5 points and 10.5 rebounds for Louisiana Tech as a freshman last year. He's 19 years old, and he was doubted going into this pre-draft process, got put into the G League Elite Camp, and he got the post-game interview both games because he was basically the MVP of both games. He averaged... 13 points and seven and a half boards in that stint. And then he got to play in the combine where he had 13 points, three rebounds and three steals. One of them, he actually took it in transition and had a reverse layup. Whether he had a couple extra steps on it, that's for another, another day maybe, but six foot seven, 280 pounds, very good footwork around the basket. If you're 280 at six seven, you either need to be a freak athlete like Zion or you need to be very meticulous in your movements. Kenny Lofton is the latter. He's able to use those extra steps, use pump fakes to get you airborne, and then create contact for potential and one opportunities. Another thing with him is, is he going to be able to shoot the basketball? Because if he can pop, that's big time. Did well at the combine in that aspect. Um, he's going to need to obviously hone in on that. But he has that like old school play that is very intriguing to where he's able to play a little bit of bully ball. And I know the bodies are different in the NBA, but he was a force to be reckoned with in Conference USA basketball. And even in terms of you know trying to work around the post or getting rebounds you know he was also able to check off some of those bo- uh, boxes so i think that this is a player that everybody probably tried working out at some point here and would like to watch under their own roof because he's very young he has a clear archetype and for someone that goes undrafted i think a lot of times they might have you know, blots here and there, but they can't all put it together. With Kenny Lofton, you know for sure that he's a very good post player, but with how the style of the NBA is, you don't see many players of his build right now. And I think that means he'd be the G League guy at least for a little bit here. I think he'd actually do very well in the G League just based on how the game is played. It's a lot more inside out when you get to that stage that's why you see guys like Moses Brown dropping 20 points and 15 rebounds a game with like 10 of them on the offensive side it's just how the game works it comes down to height and bodies Kenny Lofton very big body and I think at the bare minimum he's going to be getting some exhibit exhibit 10 calls immediately after the draft really want to see how the process pans out for him want to wrap things up though with another forward 
David McCormick out of Kansas. Very similar to some of the guys on this board where they're not on top 100 lists. And it's because they're basically seniors and the likeliest path is they have to work in the G League. And ultimately, they might not make it out because the G League is very competitive and you have to make a reason to um, make it to the next level, of course. And when you're 22 or 23, your window is really, really narrowed down and that can obviously kind of trip you up a little bit. With McCormick, very productive with the Jayhawks, averaged 10.6 points, 7 boards, and .8 blocks, two-time All-Big 12 honoree, just like Jamal Kane. When Kansas rolled into town, McCormick was the star of the show. Nobody could rebound. And I'll say Oklahoma State really needs to work in that category, so it's not like a big man dominating on the glasses like crazy to see against the Cowboys but he was the reason that they were so successful I think they had a like a five or six minute dry spell to close the first half got McCormick in the game and then he he tilted the scales but he's basically your role playing big you know he's not going to do anything crazy he's not going to change the game up but he's going to give you good screens Fairly nimble when it comes to how he's able to roll to the basket. And he's 6'10", so he has the NBA-ready body. Give him a screen. Let him roll the cup. If the lane's open, he'll pop the shot there. If not, he can try to wait for a rebound. Out of his seven boards, 3.1 were on the offensive end. Shot 76% at the foul line. Didn't shoot virtually any mid-range jumpers, though. So that's something that... um, needs to be tapped into this is another very deep sleeper I'd say you know when you're talking other guys I think Sebron is one where you'll find him maybe higher on some draft boards McCormick's not on top 100s Jamal Kane's not on top 100s um, Kenny Lofton sometimes will not be on your top 100s just because their trajectory might be more lined up to the G League start and that's obviously not attractive to that overall big board sometimes it's about the journey though and he has a decent offensive game. Um, when you're talking defensively, I also think he's a viable interior threat. He was way too aggressive on contesting shots, though. That's my biggest concern, and I think that's what's going to make him probably a G League guy that you work around with, but a pretty solid G League guy. And I think that holds value for teams filling out summer league rosters and not necessarily going for you know your next bench guy in the playoffs, but someone who's going to fit in your G League system and maximize maybe your two-way contract guys. I think McCormick is a a very good G League complimentary player right now, and that can obviously build up to something based on his overall play style. The OKC Blue are not going to have probably many forwards returning. DJ Wilson has been going through multiple different free agency workouts. Olivier Saar, Just had a workout with the Lakers. I think he was good as gone anyways. But I think that leaves a major gash in the rotation. David McCormick from KU. Bring him one state south and get him in an OKC blue jersey. That's what I'm thinking. Just based on, um, you know, how he would be able to kind of fill in just that, that simple role of what you want out of the four. I think he'd be able to simulate pretty well what the pick and roll would look like. Anyways, though, guys, that's going to do it for my undrafted chat. Some of the guys I think 
might be able to sneak into a roster on a two-way and some of the other G League gyms that might be sifting around and working on some of those, you know, over the summer free agency camps in a little bit. Anyways, though, guys, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all in the next one.